0: Singularity by Bill DeSmet. Copyright 2004 by William H. DeSmet. All rights reserved. Part 3. Antipode. August 4th to 6th. Time will run back and fetch an age of gold. John Milton, Hymn on the Morning of Christ's Nativity. Chapter 25 West with the Night. They could not seem to stop touching. Setting his doers down on the retractable tray table, Knox reached out to cup Marianna's chin and draw her face, her perfect face, toward his. Smiling, she abandoned the draft of her final report yet again, abandoned herself as well to a lingering kiss in the subdued light of the Airbus's first-class cabin. Even when Mariana had turned her attention back to her CIA loner laptop, even when Knox had turned to look out at the sunset-tinged traceries of cirrus clouds off the portside wing, even then they were still holding hands. They could not seem to stop touching one another. In the twenty-odd hours... Since search and rescue had landed them on Fail Island, they hadn't had a minute by themselves or a moment to rest till now. With the nearest Crom presence 2,500 miles away, Aristos had pressed the CIA into service. A company stringer, working out of Terseria, had shepherded Knox and Mariana as far as Lisbon on a 5 a.m. tap-air feeder flight. From there, they'd connected through to Paris— and the mandate's European headquarters. Seven hours in the old stone building off the Quai d'Orsay had taught Knox more than he'd ever wanted to know about the art and science of debriefing. But in the end, Pete Aristos had pronounced himself satisfied. An early cram chaperone dinner at an outdoor café, then back out to Charles de Gaulle International for the evening flight to JFK. Through the swirl of activity, despite all obstacles, they kept finding ways to maintain physical contact. An arm around a waist, fingers brushing a face, a surreptitious pat on the derriere. They just couldn't seem to stop touching one another. Between sleep deprivation, complimentary beverage service, and Mariana's own intoxicating proximity, Knox was totally buzzed wash in a flood of fatigue-poison-induced free association. Even so, what he was feeling here, fading in and out, felt real to him, as though he and she had bonded indissolubly in those cold, dark hours before dawn, as if they were two complementary aspects of a single whole, like position and momentum in quantum theory. He rubbed his eyes and looked down on the darkening, cloud-racked Atlantic. Husalka must be down there somewhere, well off to the southwest in the gathering dusk. What a difference 24 hours could make. For one thing, he was still alive. More alive than he'd felt in a long time. Now if the damned plane would only stop bouncing around. You okay? Mariana reached out to touch his cheek. Yeah, Sure. It's just I'm what they call a white-knuckle flyer. No too much chaos theory for my own good. Listen, John. Relax. Try to get some rest. Her lips brushed against his cheek. Don't worry. If the plane falls out of the sky, I'll protect you. You know, he stifled a yawn, excuse me, you know, I'm starting to believe you could at that. He smiled and closed his eyes. Got to bring you along on all my trips, his voice trailed off. Mariana studied John's sleeping face in the muted cabin light. If only she could just drift off like that. Either that or unburden herself of the knowledge that was keeping her awake. But she couldn't. It was strictly need to know. She would thought the marathon debrief was over. They'd already escorted John out of the secure video conference room when Pete asked her to hang back and told her Crom was green-lighting tsunami. The air-sea build-up would have been set in motion by now, the clock already running on a 36-hour countdown to strike readiness. It was out of her hands, just this final pro forma report to finish. And that would keep. Carefully, so as not to disturb John, she leaned over and stole a glance out the window. Through a spangling of frost stars, she saw the twilight sea, pictured the gathering of forces that would greet tomorrow's returning sun in the still tranquil waters far away to the south. It wasn't just her data on Rusalka's secret lab that had unleashed Tsunami. No, Something big had gone down out in the North Atlantic the night they'd left the mega-yacht. Pete said the whole SOSUS hydrophone network had lit up like a Christmas tree shortly before midnight, GMT. The cause? A major undersea disturbance, with its epicenter two miles down, in the waters directly beneath Rusalka's keel. The time? 2347 Zulu. Move one time zone west to the Azores and that made it... 22.47 22.47 hours, August 3rd. It couldn't be coincidence. The time to the minute that Grecian's mysterious message cylinder had called for the capture of something. Something evidently very, very large. Something Pete was determined to stop. At the same time, Galena, who seemed so loving and sincere, was obviously in this, up to her neck. What if it were something they were better off not stopping? Assuming it was even stoppable. In her dark mood, Mariana hardly noticed the piano solo playing over her headphones until it tinkled to a close. A brief pause, then a new selection started. She knew it from the opening chords. Andrea Baccelli and Eros Ramazzotti's Nel Cuore Lei." As the duet soared, her forebodings fell away into the dull sea below. 22.47 hours, August 3rd. The time, though hardly to the minute, that she and John had shared their first true embrace. She turned toward him, reliving last night, his calming presence, the unexpected strength of his arms, the warmth of him pressed tight against her in the frigid water. She slipped off the headphones with Bocelli and company in mid-crescendo, reached over to touch his face again, then held back for fear of waking him. What was it with her? She'd had lovers before. This was different. She couldn't keep her hands off him. The sound of his voice, the feel of his hands on her, just the clean masculine scent of him was enough to give her that warm liquid feeling in the pit of her belly. She knew next to nothing about him. Without opening his eyes, he spoke. Forty years old, divorced, no children, and, no, not currently with anyone. You're awake. Eleven years older. An eternity. What would they have in common? What would they even talk about? No, knowing what to talk about never seemed to be a problem for John. Then it struck her. Again. He was doing it again. And to her this time. How did you do that? Lucky guess. Like I keep telling you, it's this trick I do. Sometimes things just click into place. He yawned. It's why I became a consultant instead of learning an honest trade, I suppose. What's it supposed to be? Telepathy? Nothing so mundane. Pattern apperception. Seeing the net. Knox's onboard pattern matcher. It comes and it goes, he finished drowsily. How does it work? Where did it come from? Tell me. She'd been preoccupied last night, but damned if she'd let him off the hook this time. He opened one eye. I'm not sure I can exactly. Come on, try. You've got me burning up with curiosity. Here, feel. Mariana took his hand and pressed it to the warmth of her cheek. She briefly considered redirecting his answering caress a little lower, in through the folds of her blouse, up against her beating heart. No, best not to start something they couldn't finish. Couldn't finish here, that is. She settled for just kissing his open palm, interspersing the touch of her lips with little flicks of her tongue. Then she bit the heel of his hand gently. Well, more or less gently. Wincing at the nip, Knox had a fleeting vision of the fate awaiting him. Liebes tot by Hickey. Nothing daunted, he reached out for her again. Uh-uh, she said, expertly fending him off. Debriefing first, displays of affection later. Now talk. You drive a hard bargain, woman, but okay. He sighed and leaned back in the seat. To begin with, Marcus and Evelyn Knox's little boy, Jonathan, was not always the paragon of personal and professional rectitude you see before you. There were times in my misspent youth when he stopped. Mariana was staring at him. Knox had been shooting for levity, but it had come out sounding all wrong, not to mention unbelievably stilted. Tell it straight. Doc Friedman had always said, don't hide behind the words, John. It occurred to him then that, apart from Charles Friedman, M.D., Ph.D., Mariana was the only person he'd ever told this to, or tried telling it to, while the distancing words that were his natural defense mechanism did their best to get in the way. Taking a cue from his erstwhile shrink, he backed up and tried to tell it straight. I was never much into drugs back in college. I mean, I guess I maybe did enough pot to keep me off the Supreme Court, but nothing really heavy-duty. Until the spring of 1985, that is, on what was supposed to have been my last night in Moscow. He took a deep breath. Sasha had these little pieces of, of mushroom, he said they were, got them from some shaman on one of his treks into the wilds of the Tunguska Basin. There it was again, that godforsaken piece of real estate. Huh. Siberia? Mariana asked. Most likely fly agaric, then. Was it red, with little white spots, kind of like the mushrooms in a Disney cartoon? No, all brown and shriveled up. Treat it somehow, then, to reduce the toxicity. Mariana seemed to have all manner of familiarity with this topic, though whether from the perspective of the perpetrator or the gendarme, he couldn't tell. She looked at him sharply. You don't mean to say you tried it. John, I had you figured for more sense. That stuff's not just hallucinogenic. It's poisonous. Christ, he didn't need this. Talking about the experience was stirring unwanted memories of the void, of a spiritual abyss infinitely deeper and colder than the physical one that yawned not five meters beneath his feet, just beyond the thin aluminum alloy skin of the plane's underbelly. Had it gotten warmer in here? Listen, Mariana, maybe this wasn't such a great idea after all. Her hand clasped his. It's okay, John. It's just that... Well, I get the sense this is something key for you, something core. And... Unless I bare my soul to you, our, what, our, our relationship could end up like my marriage? Is that what you're saying? You see? She shivered a little. You're doing it again. When you get like this, it's like you can see right through me. Yeah. I've got to learn to stop doing that on the job. It upsets people. You're not on the job now, John. And it doesn't upset me. Not really. But you've got to admit it's, well... It's eerie. What kind of a weirdo have I gotten myself hooked up with, huh? Thank God you do strike out sometimes. That wasn't even close to what I was thinking. She interlaced her fingers with his and squeezed gently. I'm just trying to figure out what you've got going on, is all. All right. I can't promise you're going to like it a whole lot, though. Mariana said nothing. Just sat there waiting, holding his hand. Still, he hesitated. In a sense, Jonathan Knox made his living telling stories, parables and analogies intended to help people acknowledge their situations, realize their opportunities, confront their challenges. He was always telling stories, all kinds of stories, all except this one. This story, he suspected, was telling him. <laughs> Listening to Singularity by Bill DeSmet.